This podcast is brought to you by On Track Studio. Hi, everybody. This is Matthew. And Michelle. Welcome back to M&M Season 3. Can Michelle, you can you... Can you believe it? Another season, Matthew. I'm, 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 I'm impressed by us. I'm so excited to be back in here and most excited to announce to the world that Michelle is here in the flesh. We're actually in the same room together. Last year it was a, it was a long-distance romance, wasn't it? It was. Uh, Michelle was all the way over in WA and we oh, did this oh, podcast wow. looking at each other and, you know, talking to each other via... The telecoms, but it just, it's so good to have you back in person. Across time zones. Welcome back, Michelle. Across the red lands of Australia. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be home. Um, I'm going to very quickly uh, acknowledge the country upon which we're recording today. We're very lucky to be doing so in Nambour on the Sunshine Coast. And we um, wanted to acknowledge that we're recording the podcast on lands that were never ceded to Europeans. We acknowledge the elders, the young people and the ancestors of the Indigenous First Peoples who live on country on these lands now called Australia and who endure on this continent as the oldest continuous living culture on earth. We are very grateful to be recording here in Nambour and very grateful to be living on the beautiful Sunshine Coast. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for the acknowledgement. And we're also very grateful to be here at the On Track studio in Nambour. You know, she's been with us from the start, Sophie, and has done an amazing job, helped guide us through three seasons. And yeah, it's just so good to be here. It is. And we've even got a special guest today and a whole new format, people. A whole new format. Over just before you, you get into the guest, one moment, please. So everybody, devalued listener in 2020. 23, as you just heard us say five times, we're back. Just to give you an idea, season three is going to be a collection of miscellaneous musings on delightful facts about M-words that make the world more meaningful. We're proud to bring you a glittering list of guest experts this season, which is new. And stuff you never knew you needed, from metallurgy to melatology. So prepare yourselves for an elevated M&M experience. So we've grown the podcast, Michelle. We, Michelle and I did a lot of thinking and talking between seasons two and three and made some, some changes and welcomed in some change and growth. And we thought, what better way to bring in our first episode than to sort of extrapolate on that through the idea of movement? Yeah, change and shifts in our perspective and in our hmm. ways of doing things. Movement is a beautiful way to start the new season, isn't it? It is. Movement, you know, being the opposite pretty much of homeostasis stasis, you know, when things are moving and growing and evolving and as have we. So, we do have a very special guest that we'd like to welcome to the podcast today, Nikki Tershwell. Welcome, Nikki. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. We're very excited to have you with us. Now, Nikki, I'm going to let you give all of us a little bit of a snapshot about who you are and what you do. Okay. Well, it's all about the body and movement with the body, actually, with me. So, I have and continue to find my deepest and truest self via my connection to my body. 
this wise part of me that carries me through my days as it holds my loved ones close, dances with joy, swims in the ocean, sheds tears of sorrow and everything in between that. I have fallen serendipitously into all the steps of my career path, yet there's always been a full body yes, this richness that says I'm going this direction, watch out. So studying gestalt therapy 20 years ago, then finding sensory motor art therapy to support me and my professional practice. My vocation and who I am in life is impossible to separate. You get the real version of me when I show up. I've worked for NGOs on the Sunshine Coast for a number of years and recently had two years working in Indigenous communities in WA. So I'm a lover of giant skies, new places and take any opportunity to go bush. I'm forever curious and one of the crazy things I'm just launching into is another M word, motorcycling at the ripe age of 60. Brilliant. So I've got a private practice in Nambour, really primarily with the somatic or sensory motor art therapy, which Mm. involves a lot of movement. Beautiful. Well, thank you for that little introduction. How exciting to be getting into motorcycling now. Exciting and scary. Yeah. That's life, hey. Good words though, both of them. What inspired you to pick up this new talent or skill? Yeah, that's um, a part of my mature age dating life. Met this gorgeous man who's into motorcycles. So I'm going to jump on board with this. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm doing it. (laughs) Do you think that you're at an advantage over people who maybe aren't as connected to their bodies as you are, connected to yours? I mean, you must have to be very – your balance great. Yeah, it it is about balance. It's about mindfulness and incredible focus and a somatic learning, the real muscle memory of learning to do two new things with my hands and feet, both mm. feet, separate, all this sort of separate stuff. And I'm Have you needed to overcome some fear too? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I'm way impressed. So how long have you been riding? Oh, I'm on my L's. So cool. yeah, I I did my initial training in about February. So Fantastic. slowly, slowly. Love it. And very determined. Exhilarating. <laughs> yes, exhilarating. Yeah, I bet Loving it, it. And when you hit the, the real Australia and get out on those open roads on a bike, it's a different experience. My father was a motorbiker for all his life and oh. he loved not being in the cities. Yeah. You know, where there's a stretch of road that, you know, has the windies that goes for 160K. Yeah. And he used to say, and I used to take it at 160K. And wow. I'd be like, wow, you know, yeah, but there's, oh, of course you can out there, you know, it's only you that's going to make the error if there's something that's going to go wrong. And he just, you know, that was, there was a breath of life for him, that, that kind of movement. That's so nice to hear that. So, Nikki, you started with Gestalt therapy. Can you tell us a little bit about what Gestalt therapy is and what it entails? Oh, Gestalt therapy is very much a holistic therapy. I know that word's thrown around a lot, but it's very mind, body, spirit. So, it's also a process-oriented therapy. So, it'll be more like, hey, when you wave your hands around as you speak, Nikki, what's, what are your hands saying? So, there's a curiosity about what my body's doing as much as the words I'm saying and, mm. and the way. I engage. It might be I slowly engage with you or I might jump in really fast and you'd ask questions about that as from me or as you sit with somebody as a therapist and be really curious about what you see in the body. And it's stunning the way tiny little micro movements of withdrawal, say through the eyes or the mouth or the body just slips backwards a tiny bit. And I'll ask a question about that and go, what what happened just then? And then it's really about self-awareness. So the the end game with Gestalt and, and therapy is 
where's your self-awareness and what's happening for you and what do you do in the world? So you can become more self-aware through the process of the movement that you do in a therapeutic situation with you, is that? Yeah. And then am I also, if I practice with you, am I in a better position to then be able to help myself outside of the clinical setting as well? Is Yeah, the awareness you take from that therapeutic moment out into the world will be like, oh, I do this often. And so then it's simply by noticing what you do that it changes naturally. There's not a push for change in Gestalt. It's a a resting into change, if you like. Okay. Are you looking for a tell? Is that, are you sort of, are you looking for me to maybe say a thing, but then for my body to demonstrate another thing? Is That would be a very interesting moment for sure, but not looking for anything specific. It's looking for at the overall picture of the, the person that's sitting with me, as well as including my relational self in that moment. So how people respond to me or what, how they see me, it might be what they do in relationships outside of the room, the therapy room. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And do you still practice Gestalt? Or are you absolutely. Okay, yeah, so in something. your in your private practice currently, you practice Gestalt, but you also went down the sensory motor art therapy. Mm-hmm. When did that take presence in your practice? When did that appear? After a few years of being a full-time counsellor and practicing Gestalt, there was a certain weightiness I felt and you know, I've had a slow learning around my own somatic awareness or body awareness, and I felt that I was carrying clients a little heavily. And so looking for something in art therapy, the, the third factor that you bring into the room really is the creation between the therapist and the, the clients creating. And it, the projection then is onto the picture that they're creating or the piece they're creating. So that's a little less pressure on me as therapist. And that was helping me in my early days. So when you so, say you were feeling a weightiness, was that a weightiness in yourself? Yes. I was carrying a lot of stories of people that I was carrying heavily. So the sensory motor art therapy helped me lighten and then I think I'm lighter for my clients. So it always starts with my own knowing and that's where I go as I step into my different career changes or, you know, practice changes. Absolutely. Mm. Can we all learn to hear our bodies the way you obviously can then? That Absolutely, yes. Should we learn from when we're very little? Children already know it. We unlearn it. Yeah. yeah we unlearn it through conditioning. Mm. So it's finding that really childlike place again. Watch my two-year-old granddaughter and go, oh, she knows it. She dances without inhibition. She laughs with her whole body. And so that's the path I've taken to relearn all of that. And the more I can be that and the more I can be in my body, gives my clients permission to... Yes. Go, oh, she's she's really loose in her body. I, I want some of that. It's just made a really interesting link in my mind between the pleasure that we get out of playing and also the way that we think about our bodies, especially as women. Mm-hmm. So the body positivity um, movement, let's for want of a better term, is maybe missing the mark a bit because maybe what we actually need to be doing is 
looking within ourselves rather than looking to an external, to to just think about the way that we look rather than Mm, mm. what our bodies will do for us. Absolutely correct. So I, I came from an eating disordered adolescent history. So I wasn't so much aware of my body. It's taken me, you know, over my years and years of practice to come back into my body. Practice professionally, but a lot of work personally as well. Right. Cause we're often only aware we've got a body when there's something wrong. Are we talking about a connection between our mind and our body? We have a mind and use that as a bridge or a gateway into our body. Just it's more letting go, I find, of, of the mind to my mind can go in circles and judge and do all sorts of tricks, whereas my body's a truth teller. Love that. The two-year-old, the four-year-old, you know, mm. their bodies are completely present with them with what they're experiencing in mm. the mind. It's one. And I agree with you that it's something that we unlearn. I think that as we develop and our cognition increases, the projected fear of judgment that we have on our bodies disconnects us from it. And and I understand exactly what you mean. And, you know, I work a lot with play and similar to you, if I allow myself in those moments to be playful and let my body communicate my emotion in a playful way, there is a permission given to everybody in the room to know that I'm not worried about what you think of me because I'm allowing myself to be free in this moment, yeah. which brings you into presence and which gives you a permission to really feel things. And I'm sure where I want to take that with you, Nikki, is that you know a part of resilience building is understanding that it's not always pleasure. The body is going to feel sometimes the harder emotions, the darker emotions, the the ones that, you know, aren't as easy or celebrated, but rather than internalize them and bury them, it's about building that awareness so that we can still experience those safely and know that we can get to another side. Would you agree with that? Very much. Yeah, very much. It takes me to a, a moment where I had a separation and after a long relationship and there was a lot of grief. I remember sort of falling to ground actually with my grief and tears just sobbing on the floor and I spoke to someone who said, go and float in a waterhole, which I did. And I was in the Kimberley, Western Australia at the time. And the buoyancy helped lift me back up. So that, yeah, the depth of sorrow was there. Mm-hmm. And then the buoyancy like let my body float so I could feel something again where I, I could rise up. It was all through my body. Incredible. Mm. Do you write poetry? No. You should? <laughs> oh, goodness. The, the falling to the ground is such a beautifully... Uh-huh. Accurate way of describing that feeling of just being spent and not, yeah. not, not knowing how to lift yourself off the ground. The, the externalization of the internalized emotion is that more easily achieved with a piece of artwork coming out of a therapeutic experience? Is that? I find it so. Like that really helps me. So it's, it's really meeting something. So if I'm feeling anger, it's like, what's the shape? How big is that on the page? And so I might start little and then go, no, it's much bigger than that. Here, watch out. I'm going to take the whole page here. And it might be sharp and spiky and red and black and, you know, angry. Or, so is that about taking control of that too then, if I'm able to put a shape to it? I probably hesitate with the word control, but more meeting it. So it's, if I can meet it, then I have a choice to do something. To yep. go, Whoa, <clears throat> there it is. Yep. I might then move to the opposite and invite you to bring in what supports this? What's the opposite of this that could mm. could really support this shape? 
to feel different. It also, Nikki, sounds to me like a bit of an extension to Gestalt. It totally is. Because yeah. Gestalt, you know, invites those questions, but it's a bit more verbal mm. rather than picking up, you know, or doing colours, lines and shapes. You know, I, from what I know of Gestalt, it's like describe that to me, mm. you know, and then giving people permission to say things like, well, it's a big purple monster mm. that has three arms and taking that information and then being able to ask the questions around it. And then you can interact with it when you've given it that kind of, I'm not even sure the word to use here, but, you know, visceral representation, you can interact with it. And then you are again being given the opportunity to decide how to interact with it. So, in other words, not so much control, but about understanding the power that it has when it's not out here or done with art or described and given a texture that you can interact with. It stays in here and it feels seemingly impossible to think that it can be outside of you or that you can interact with it. Am I on the right track there? I love what you're saying there. Yeah. It sounds like it was a very natural process for you, perhaps, to move from Gestalt into sensory motor. And I think there's a lot of self-awareness as well for you as a therapist to note that you were feeling heavy, you know, and carrying around story that wasn't your story, but that's going to have impact on you. And then to be wise enough in your own self-care to realize that taking it and using your own colors, lines and shapes Mm -hmm. was not only giving you permission to move through that weight, but in encouraging others to follow suit, Mm -hmm. which is great. (laughs) I think that's wonderful. You, you spoke at the outset to the holistic nature of what it is that you're doing. Yeah. Are you always moving and shifting the way that you help people? Always, 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 yes. I think almost each day you get a new therapist in Nikki, not in a crazy off-the-planet way, but just that incremental movement I make each day to who I am. Who It acknowledges something that the medical fraternity would be well placed to acknowledge too, I think, which is that in any interaction there's there's two people in the room. There's the person yes. with the cancer and there's the person who's helping the person with mm. the cancer. Mm. Everybody in the room is better off when everybody's better off. <laughs> this has been transformational for me so far already. I mean, the, the, the first things that you said were so... It seems so clear. It seems so clear. There's also, I think, I really like what you say about getting a slightly different Nikki every day or a different Nikki therapist every day insofar as you are acknowledging that we're on a journey. Yeah. And so are you. Yeah. And if you really are going to be with someone and provide safe space for them to begin to process whatever it may be that they need to process, to be with them truly means to be where you are in that moment as well. Mm. And Without it really needing to be said, it's more felt, I guess, because if you're connected to yourself that day, knowing that you're ever so slightly different from the day before and will be the day after, there is resilience in yourself in that. You know, there is a way of kind of being with people to go, who, what I've experienced in the last 24 hours has led me to be what I'm feeling right now. And that's okay. Mm, it is okay. Yeah. And I might often start a session with one sentence to say where I'm at. So the client will know. So if I've had a really stressful time or if I've had a really joyful time and just come back from camping and I'm a little bit floaty or overexcited, I'll say, oh, I've just done this. I'm really excited. And then they'll know, oh, that's why her energy is a little bit different today. Or if I'm a bit more subdued, I'll tell them, oh, I'm suffering a little bit from something today that's not your thing to to worry about. So I'm not putting a load onto the client and go, oof, you know, she's bringing her heavy stuff in. It's just letting them know so they don't start imagining they're the person that's the worry for me today. It's my own worry. And it's it's a method we call bracketing, which is just going, here's a statement. I'm going to put that aside now. 
and I'm here to be with you. It's kind and it's vulnerable and it's authentic in a way that we don't get much of in boardrooms, let's say. No. Um, it is a shame that we don't all come to the table saying, hello, today I'm, I am human. Here's how I feel. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and we don't need to make that the central focus of the rest of this, but here I am with you. Yeah. And this is what I feel, but let's yeah. move on. Yeah. Imagine the misunderstandings we could avoid in relationships. Yeah, we do. Mm. Mm. It really like, catastrophize in our heads. It must be my fault that she's yeah. off today on the, the different a different Nikki today. Yeah, yeah, we do that. And that that's also really normal to do that. To take it on. Yes, because that's thing. a yeah, it's it's an attachment pattern. Mm. It's from little nuanced cues we get in the body from how we were raised. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, no criticism of that either. It's just this is what happens and and our adult attachment patterns are there. So let's name them. Absolutely. Are there particular, are there particular concerns that people come to you with? I'm t- trying to avoid the word problem, but, you know, are there particular concerns that people really find are very well helped by this type of therapy? It's more about people being open to their own discovery, their own unfolding, and that they're the ones that really enjoy the sessions and, and not always enjoy, mind you. There's, there's a fair few tears in the room at times. So yeah, yeah it's still work, isn't it? Yeah, it is work. Yeah. It is work. It's our soul work. It's hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not easy. I've got a question to you in relation. So just to bring it back to movement a little bit yeah. and around the physical nature of the therapy that you provide, have you found any circumstances or situations where there's a big pushback to that? And I'm going to give you an example of, and I was talking about this with Michelle just yesterday, Clayfield for me, mm-hmm. can't do it. Mm-hmm. I touch it, I start crying. Mm. And it's so overwhelming Mm. that I have to put it down and walk away. And I've tried a couple of times and I've been with people who be with therapists who, you know, are trained and know what they're doing. But the feeling in my hand is so overwhelming that I, I can't. And, and I'm, I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm self-aware enough to know that there's stuff going on for me with that. And there's a lot obviously around that, that I can and will work on in the future. But just in those examples of where I went, no, not to that, can't do it. Do you ever find with the movement that you bring through your different forms of therapy, there's ever a rejection or a pushback or people aren't willing to let the body talk? The body's already talking. The most powerful movement is to say no and walk away, to to push the clay field away and go, I'm not doing that. That's Mm. it, pushing away to say no. They might not have ever been able to do when they were, say, two years old. Mm. So to push away and say no, there's the movement. It's it's powerful. That's a powerful session in itself when you said, I'm walking away from this. I'm not going to touch it. Brilliant. We will never touch that again. You don't have to. You're, you're making yourself safe. You're making a statement with, with your body. Strong wow. no. I love it. Strong no yes. <laughs> to that. Have you no always, more of that for you. <laughs> have you always been a very physically active person yourself? Have you always been someone who likes to move through space? I Yes. You know, through COVID, I was living on my own. It really struck me that I wasn't getting hugs. And so I went to the ocean every day and swam. And that was a relationship in itself that was incredibly healing and supportive. And I felt the buoyancy and the warmth and surrounded by water and the waves and the wildness. And yeah, so I I love swimming. I love hiking. I do multi-day hikes. And yeah, I think I've always been a a nature outdoorsy person. I'm not an athletic type, but um. Love moving and an and, artist and as dancing. Well? No, I'm yeah. I'm definitely not an artist. Actually, 
I'm a, you know, very naive, very young age drawer. So it's almost a um, release for me that I don't have to perform on on the paper because yeah, I'm not right. an artist. So that's one of the illusions of art therapy that you've got to be an artist, and I'm definitely not. The way I am creative is to say, hey, you know, let's do it this way instead. If you don't want to do a clay field, let's push that away. And what else? Let's play with glitter instead or yeah, find something in my room that lights that person up to support them. And I will often say, let the materials choose you. Mm. Oh, nice. Rather than- <laughs> It's um, very wise. Mm, yeah. Materials can be terrifying. Even a yeah. thing of crayons to a non-artist like me, hey, I know about it. Yep. Yeah. It reminds me somewhat of Santre therapy with mm. the symbols, you know, and generally speaking, therapists who provide that have an enormous amount of opportunity um, of symbols for, mm. and, they, and it's go for your life. You know, take what speaks to you and leave what doesn't. And then the unpacking of that, you know, then reflecting on that while you place things and put things is I've done it once or twice and wow, quite powerful, you know, um, but you don't realize it at the time. And I think it speaks to like, it's almost a metaphor, Nikki, when you say, you know, I invite people to just let whatever in my room draws them in. This is a almost a mirroring of life. In a way, because we do sometimes not seek the things that we know we like. We are reticent to always step forward to the things that attract us or pull us straight away because of the adultness of it, the judgment, um, the difficulty, the disconnection. And I really like the permissiveness that particularly from a therapist, you know, someone who has the foundation and the skills knowledge to be with, but also says, but you. What's you today and mm. what lo- what works for you and what do you want to touch and what do you want to play with and let's go there, you know, mm. because I think, I mean, all I can do is, is reflect on the majority of my adult life and think there have been so many times where I felt that pull and I haven't done it. Yeah. You know, I felt that pull as a human to go, God, I, I want to do that or I want to go here or I want to express this, but I stop myself. Withdraw permission or don't give permission at all. Yeah. 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 And, and, it's a and that we learn that, isn't it? Well, I don't know. Would you say it's learnt, Nikki, that kind of response? Um, Gestalt has a beautiful term for that called a creative adjustment. Wow. So it's, yeah. So we adjust to our world to keep safe. Yeah. So it's everything we do like that is protective and smart. And to see it like that is very supportive. It is. And so you go, oh, well, I'm doing something that's obviously protected me in the past. The question is, is it still necessary me. for me? Yeah. You know? Does and it still serve me today? Yeah. And very, very true. Protective and smart. Mm. Yeah. I think I agree with you, Augustalt. I think I agree with that statement insofar as it instantly invites empathy, doesn't it? Mm. Not just for self, but for others. Yeah. If we could all just take that step back instead of letting the initial emotional response happen to whatever the situation may be and, and go, oh, it's, an, it's an adjustment, a creative adjustment. And mm. it's, and we're here. Mm. It got me here. Mm. Got you here. Mm. We're here. Mm. That's something. There's something really appealing about its practical tactile nature too. As a person who likes an outcome and, an, a, you know, to see something that came out of this, mm. the idea of moving beyond just talking through stuff, I have become frustrated by psychology and CBT in the past, mm-hmm. but I'm really seeing that this is a very new way of getting in touch with all of the things that need to be gotten in touch with mm. in a way that, too, I'm wondering whether I can recreate when I'm outside of the therapeutic environment if the clay field has worked for me and I've gotten 
into the elemental feeling of, of my hands in the clay, mm. even if I can't exactly recreate that, I could still go down to the sand mm. and enjoy the the feeling of the, the minerals on my skin that way. Mm. Well, also you'll take it into your body. So say if you're touching clay and think, oh, that makes me feel really good in my belly, then that feeling you can recall again. Right. And so it, it becomes a resource, a somatic resource, we call that. Wonderful. Right. Okay. So it doesn't go anywhere. Like you're building a resource within your body and that builds trust to go, you know, there's some really good places in my body. Mm. And you can build that onto visualisation stuff for example. Absolutely, like so yes. Mm. You can call on it over and over and over and a multitude of those tools, if you like, and strategies that can be called upon. Do you derive great joy from your work? Oh, yes. I love it. Yeah, very passionate. 23 years later, I'm still really passionate about it. So what got you there? And you may have touched on this earlier, but uh, so 23 years ago, what was it that made you go, I'm going to go and do some study or training on this? What took you there at the beginning? Well, my always had a sense something was missing for me. Like I went, what career path am I going to take? And I was raising my kids and when my youngest started school, I, you know, went, I love talking to people. I love listening. I love lots of cups of tea with people, chats. And so I went and started a counseling program study and then, um, met somebody in a wilderness trekking with young adolescents on a placement. And he was a gestalt therapist and he said a few things to me and I completely, I went, oh my goodness, he's sitting right through me. <laughs> I want to study that. And so that was, it was accidental, you know, it was serendipity. And that full body, yes, again, it was mm. like, oh, yeah. I have to do that. So when you paid attention to it, I did pay attention to it. And a lot of it didn't make cognitive sense. I was like, oh, this is going to be impossible. How do I do this? But I made at work and yeah, so you're not, you don't always know what your body is telling you but your body's you know when your body is telling you a thing and you need to stop and yeah the more I stop and listen the more I can trust it mm. and and I know that my head can sometimes trick me a little bit like the self-critic or the judgments or the, the old stories of what would my mother say or <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's yeah. so many imposter syndrome the, yeah. list, the list goes on yeah yeah and so we touched a little bit, Nikki, on the, um, we've talked about Clayfield and Sand Tray. I'm curious. I just wanted to take a peek into your room. What do you have available? And I know you may not be able to answer this black and white, but mm. if I was that person in your room and you'd introduced some, some form of art that I went not today and you mm. said, okay, go look around. What, what other mediums do you work with? Okay. The space is very important in that I have comfortable chairs for people to choose that if they go, I'm just want to sit over here and feel safe here, not to go anywhere near those crayons. But I also have big sheets of paper taped down onto large tables and crayons available. So the materials are there as an invitation. Then I'll have an array of collage things, colourful pipe cleaners and ribbons and plasticine and all sorts of things. Very, you know, scrumptious and seductive, actually. And sensory. <laughs> and sensory, yeah. So I, and I get people to go touch them and see if there's something that jumps out at you. But it's also important for them to say no. So often people will go, I'll just sit there in the comfy chairs. They might sit there for six sessions, but the invitation of the crayons is still in the same room. Mm. So they might go, I'm ready to go over there and touch those now. And so it's a, 
about the person feeling safe in their own body. And there's, we call this orienting to the room so that the more they feel safe over and over and over, they will then feel ready to do something different, which is I'll go try those crayons Mm. and I might make a gentle offering, but I never push that. Love it. And with a lot of these mediums that you have in the room, how important is it to integrate post-interaction with these things? So you mentioned before large painting or plasticine or collage. Once someone has gone through this process and, and you've offered gentle inquiry, mm. uh, what does the tail end of that look like? How do you bring it back to relate with that person's own experience? Nearly always through the body. So to say, you know, where as you look at your piece, does it feel finished? And so it's still in the projection in the external going, it, does it feel finished? And then it'll, I'll invite them into how does that feel in your body? And where do you feel that? And then maybe a gentle expansion into if it's say, Oh, I feel warmth in my chest. I'll say, well, can you breathe into that and, and let it feel a little bit bigger? And then that's the feeling they will walk away with as the resource. I'll name that as a resource for them and invite them into using the piece of, if the piece they want to take home with them, it might be a box with plasticine figurines in it, or it might be a piece of paper. They'll take that home and have a connection with it if they want to, or some select to keep them in the room, in the therapy room, and file them like I would case notes. And yeah, very much they get to leave with a somatic sense of safety for themselves. Wonderful. And will the person often be someone who's come to you out of their own search or is it someone who might maybe has been through the health system or has recently um, left hospital, any different type of people? Such a variety. I work for a number of services as well as I, I see, I'm a clinical supervisor, so I see a lot of therapists, so they know what they're coming for. But I also work for an EAP service, which is an right. employee assistance program. Some people come expecting just to be talking and, and that's okay. And others go, whoa, this is different. I'm feeling some progress here where I haven't through the talking therapies before felt progress. So yeah, it's always just an open invitation. Is it very encouraging to you to have seen the growth in things like EAPs being offered in, within workplaces? Very encouraging. I think that's so, wonderful. So necessary for yeah, well-being and mm. the mental health of our society. is about connecting to each other and connecting to ourselves, isn't it? It's, yeah, yeah. And even if you just mm. look at the productivity angle alone, if you just mm. want to be Machiavellian about it, it's, mm. um, it's mm. better if everybody's feeling good at work every it day. It sure is. Yeah, mm. yeah. The Sunshine Coast, I suppose, is a pretty great place to be practicing all of this stuff. Mm. You know, we've got such an amazing landscape and environment. You've spoken quite a bit about the beach and about your walks off track. I'd love to hear a little bit about the work you did in the Kimberley and what might have drew you there. That was a, a big life change, so ending of a relationship. And then I actually went to a – I thought, oh, look, I'll just stay in my very reliable job here on the Sunshine Coast as a team leader for a counselling service. I went to a three-day dance workshop and dancing emotions, and I left that workshop saying, oh, dear, I'm leaving my job as well. <laughs> wow. <laughs> And then about three days later, someone offered me, phoned me and offered me a job in the Kimberley and in Kananara. And I just said yes, without even thinking, I just knew it was right. So it was just one of those crazy decisions that tumbled itself on and um, found a four-wheel drive online and went driving out there and moved for 
two years and massive change and massive change but the best thing I could have done beautiful beautiful place a beautiful place special place very very special definitely a place deeply in my heart now you know the sensory motor art therapy was brilliant out there for the indigenous clients that I worked with in a drug and alcohol service oh wow and what brought you then back to the sunshine coast was it all family yeah. yeah kids getting married and Babies being born and, and they grow up real quick. Don't yeah, they, they do. Yeah. Well, beautiful, Nikki. How, how can people connect with you if there's anyone listening to this episode and they would like to learn more or connect with you? How how would they go about that? Well, my website is fairly straightforward. It's my name, nicolatoshwell.com.au. Encourage people to check that out on our. Spotify and Instagram. Yep. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing your practice with us, both personally and professionally. It's been a very rich conversation. Thank you very much. It was very generous of you. Yeah. It's always nice and nourishing to, you know, share the stories about how we can all understand the fact that we're all resilient, even in the moments. Like It sounds silly to say, but, you know, you giving me permission that was my body talking when I pushed away the clay? Yeah. Because, you know, we don't, I'm not geared to think that way. Mm. And as I walk away from those experiences, I'm feeling like a failure. Mm. I'm going, I couldn't do it. I'm a failure. Mm. And you just looked at me and said, you won. You listened. Yeah. And you, and you walked away from something that wasn't good. It's so nice to celebrate and share the fact that there is okayness and resilience, even in the moments where we think we've fallen down. Especially when you're doing something different to what everyone else is doing. That's where it's brave. Mm. Mm. So thank you for sharing all of that with us. I'm very grateful. My pleasure. Such well a done, Matthew's body talking so clearly too. Oh, look, in the last couple of years, she hasn't shut up. Ooh. Good grief. <laughs> I, you know, I won't go into my story, but Lord. She I'm got- just fascinated by the very likelihood that your body's been saying that stuff. You just haven't been listening. I haven't been listening, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and as Nikki said, you know, it's about t- helping people tap into the connection that's already there. Yeah. And then making this part up here, I'm tapping on my brain, those that can't see me, just squish that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, maybe th- the 20 words that just appeared, pick two. That'll do. Mm-hmm. And let the rest come from here. Beautiful. So, dear valued listener, welcome to season three. We've started with a bang. Please follow us on Instagram. It is M and M the podcast, which, as we all know, reads as Mandem the podcast. We are on Spotify. Please, you know, subscribe, click like, love, cuddle, and kiss. <laughs> and and we will leave you there today. Uh, we're back though next week, Michelle, with another cracker. Oh, it is a cracker. It's going. Are you putting me on the spot? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's going to be very exciting because we're going to be talking about things science, all things science, modern, modern science. science. Right. We put our lab coats on and we go into that laboratory. So, till yeah, then, yeah, dear yeah, valued yeah, listener, yeah. thank you again, Nikki, and we'll see you all soon. It's bye bye from me. Bye, Nikki. Bye. bye.